0: Good morning. Um, my name is Kara. Mark and I um, founded the church years ago. God put it on our hearts to start a church. We'd never started a church before. We had been in lots of churches, um, and we followed the call. So we get the honor and the privilege of leading the team that leads this church. Um, it has been a wild and crazy journey, but we have loved every minute, every season, and so happy to see you guys here this morning. It is Palm Sunday. Do we know that? Woohoo! Awesome. Um, so. I believe that God has something for each of us this morning, whether you've walked with him your whole life and you're like, I know the Bible, I I haven't arrived by any means, but I know stuff. I have a deep relationship and I'm a seasoned Christian. Or maybe you're like, I don't, I'm not even a Christian. I'm just here because so-and-so brought me or I'm just watching because I stumbled across it on YouTube. I want you to know that God has something specific, something special and something just for you because that's how awesome our Father is. He can take one thing and divide it up and give us all something different out of the same thing. So come with anticipation this morning. So today is Palm Sunday. Does everybody know what Palm Sunday is? Maybe, maybe not. You're like, I've heard of it. Just Googled it. That's awesome. So you might know exactly what that is, or you might be like, "Ah, I kind of do, or maybe I don't know at all. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to learn about that. And so I'd just like to open this up in prayer. Father God, you are so good. You are so, so good. And God, I thank you that you are good when I'm bad, when I don't measure up, when I don't have it all together. You're still good. You're still faithful. You're still loving. You're still kind. You're still generous. You're still full of mercy and grace. God, this morning, as we read your word, I thank you that in your word is truth and power and life and peace and joy. It's not just words on a page. Your word says that it's the bread of life. It's water and nourishment to our very soul. God, as, as we read your word and as, as we dive in, would you just transform us from the inside out? Would you speak to us in individual ways? Would you heal us? Would you deliver us? Would you set us free from our mindsets and our patterns and our sin? Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. God, I honor you. You are my king. You are my Lord. You are the lover of my soul. Outside of you, I have nothing. I am nothing. I thank you for your good gifts. I thank you for your tender care. I thank you for your strong word, your guidance, your faithfulness to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You gonna lower it? Oh good. I even have my big shoes on today. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. All right. So Palm Sunday is the day that marked the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, and it it starts what we call the Holy Week. Have you heard of the Holy Week? So his entry into Jerusalem starts the Holy Week. If you can guess what ends the Holy Week. Anybody? His death and eventually his resurrection, right? That's kind of the end of the Holy Week. So some people, um, if you read the Bible, most of the time in that week, there are so many things. I had kind of forgotten when I went back and read all the things that happened from the time Jesus comes into Jerusalem and the time he is raised from the dead. There is so much jam-packed in that time, in that week. Um, If you're a parent and you're leaving, before you leave, you're like, download to your kids. Don't forget this and lock the doors and do this. And don't forget that. And your, your lunches in the fridge and all of these things, right? Jesus in that last week unloaded so many things. I would encourage you to go. It's a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four gospels, all the things he was healing. He was setting people free. He was bringing the blind so that they could see the, the lame so that they could be whole, the sick so that they could be made well. And he was also laying out all the things of the kingdom, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is how it operates. He was just unfolding in a rapid, rapid-fire way all the things about the kingdom in that week, in this holy week. So there's two words, two important words, two important events that happen that we're going to talk about. They both start with P. So kids, you can remember these. Passover. you say Passover? Come on, Ronan. And Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Very good. Passover and Palm Sunday. Thank you, KK. All right, so let's start by talking about the Passover. So every year, Holy Week falls at the same time as a Jewish celebration called the Passover. The Passover was when the Jewish exodus from Egypt, they fled from slavery. Moses led them out of slavery out of 40 years, and they finally reached the Promised Land, which is now in modern-day Israel. Anybody remember this? In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, where Moses receives a command from God to return to Egypt because he wanted those people to be free, his people to be free, right? Right. So Pharaoh, he was the ruler of the time, and Moses goes and tells him this: what God had said. And Pharaoh was like, "Not a chance! I'm not doing that. I'm not freeing these people." He refused to listen to what God had said to Moses. So God sent ten plagues to the to that to the people there. Right? These were terrible plagues. I know that we've just been through a pandemic. It's nothing like that. It's way worse. So listen to these plagues. The ten plagues were waters becoming blood. That would be a little freaky, right? Uh frogs took over the place. Frogs everywhere. Not so bad. (laughs) All right, it gets worse. I think that's pretty bad. That would really be gross. Frogs, there was lice. The next one was flies. Anybody hate flies? I hate one fly, let alone flies everywhere. There was uh, one of the plagues diseased all their life's livestock. There were boils, which are like sores on your skin. There was hail. There was locusts and darkness. And even throughout all of those, he wouldn't budge. He's like, nope, won't do it, won't do it. So the last plague was that all of the firstborn of the land would be killed. They would die. So the Lord gave Moses instructions and gave them to the Israelites of what they should do. So what they would do is they would find a spotless lamb, and they would put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. And then when the the death came over and it came over those houses, they would know that that house they couldn't touch they couldn't touch people, they couldn't take that life. And so that was called the passover. Does that make sense? The death would have to pass over and not take those lives that were in those houses, in those homes. So where there was blood there, he would not strike. The passover doesn't really always just mean pass by. It literally means to shield over and to protect. Okay, so we're going to build upon that as we go forward. The blood kept them safe. Okay, what was the second P word? Very good. Palm Sunday? Got Good job. So this was the triumphal entry of Christ. So you can find this in Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. Those are the four Gospels. Not all stories are told in all all four gospels. Okay, this particular story, it's an important story of the triumphal entry of Christ is told in all four stories. So we're going to read it from Mark 11 and it's verse 1 through 10. Now when they draw near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat, meaning no one had ever ridden on it. Loose it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing loosing this colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's the part we remember, right? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. There's been many songs written about those scriptures. So that whole story that, I, that we just read was prophesied 400 years before that in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. It said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly, and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So 400 years before this ever happened, it was already prophesied in the book of Zechariah. I love that about the Bible, by the way. I love that the Old Testament and the New Testament, they all weave together. There's prophecies from, from beginning to end. It just blows my mind. So this word "Hosanna," Hosanna, 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 Hosanna in the highest. In the Old Testament, in Psalm 118, Hosanna was more like an urgent cry for help. Okay, it was like a desperate cry. Hosanna. In the New Testament, it shifted. Um, the original appeal was for deliverance. It was, um, and then in the New Testament, it was about salvation. Hosanna! Salvation is here. Save now. It literally changed to save now. Right? So as the people were waving the palm branches and they were laying on the floor in front of him as he rode down, they were, it was like they were saying, hooray for salvation. It's coming. It's here. Salvation. It was a prophetic praise, a prophetic announcement that he had arrived. He was what they, he was the promised Messiah. He was the gift. He was salvation. It was prophetic to what God was going to do, right? He was riding in. He hadn't yet been crucified. He hadn't yet risen, but he was going to. The people didn't even know it. And they were prophetically saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Save our Savior is here. They were publicly announcing that Jesus was the Messiah. And interesting enough, Jesus was also declaring and pronouncing that, yes, in fact, he was the Messiah. Most of the stories before this time, he doesn't really say, I'm the Messiah. He's teaching, he's healing, he's doing all these things. After this, he declares, I am the Messiah. This is what's going to happen. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And remember, all the people, the Romans were asking him, well, who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you who they say you are? And he would say, yes, I am who they say I am. So the other significant thing is these these psalms, these palms, sorry, not psalms, psalms and psalms. Back in the Old Testament, when God brought the children of Israel to the new promised land, palm trees was kind of like a symbol of hope. It was a symbol of promise. When they would got to the new land, that was kind of one of the things that, they, repre- that re- they used to represent and celebrate that God had brought them to the promised land was the palms. It was a symbol of God's promise fulfilled. They were, were sorry, were regarded as tokens of joy and triumph. They were symbolic of victory and eternal peace. In Leviticus, way back in the Old Testament, they were used, the very first time they were used was in the Feast of the Tabernacles, and they were used to celebrate. Um, We see this all the way through, all the way. The last book of the Bible is Revelation. We see that all the way in Revelation. It says in Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number. All of the nations, tribes, people, and tongues standing before the throne, And before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So all these little things, if you don't think that God cares about the details, just read his scripture, a palm tree, palm leaves, like that doesn't seem very important, but it is weaved all the way. Those little things, God cares about the details. So let's bring it all together. What's the two P words? Passover and Palm Sunday, right? So today we're celebrating Palm Sunday. And there are many cool things that happened when Jesus rode in on his donkey. And the people were praising him and, and noticing that he was the king. But there is one aspect that's pretty pa- fascinating that deals with the Passover. So in Exodus 12:3, it talks about the Passover feast and how they need to take the lamb. And the lamb had to be without blemish. And it had to be on the 10th day. That was part of the Passover, the Passover feast. That was one of the things. So there's significance in that, in Jesus' triumphal entry, because Palm Sunday, it was on the 10th day of the month. So as Jesus was writing in, and the people were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Unbeknownst to them, they were selecting the Paschal Lamb for sacrifice, the one and the only one, who they could sacrifice to take away what? Our sin. I just find that so beautiful. All the symbolism and all the connections that as Jesus is riding through town, I just been thinking, okay, if I was on the side, I would probably get a palm leaf and I would be like, what are we doing? Who's here? Oh, I've heard about Jesus. And I would be waving and I would probably be saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And I would be watching and what, what would we be feeling? What would we be, be thinking? But I guarantee these people had no idea who this Lamb of God really was. They might have thought, oh, he's a prophet. He's a good guy. He healed my friend, or I heard the story. Well, we celebrate good people all the time. Many of you are good people. We could celebrate you. Wow. But that, that isn't what was happening in the spirit. That's not it, what was happening, happening prophetically speaking. He was the only one who could be slain. He was perfect. He was that sacrifice. They were prophetically announcing that Jesus was going to be the one and only spotless lamb to pay that price. They were saying, Hosanna, save now, save now. First Corinthians five, seven says, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us, for us, for our sins. So over the years, people have tried to take the blood of Jesus out of things, right? Taking it out of the Psalms, out of the songs, out of our stories, out of the hymns, out of preaching. Don't preach about that. You can talk about Jesus, but don't talk about the blood. And maybe you don't know that because we... We believe in that. And we talk about that. But there's plenty of places and plenty of doctrines and plenty of churches that are like, you can talk about everything else, but don't talk about the blood. It offends people. It's weird. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. It's, it's Old Testament. You guys, without the blood, we have nothing. It is only by His blood that we can come before God. He washed away all our sins. In the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice animals, and they had to be spotless in order to pay penance for their sin, to pay for their wrongdoing. Jesus is all of our spotless lamb. So things that make us feel good can't save us. Leaders that are awesome, they can lead us, can't save us. Our good ideas, our good works, if we could just behave and and do things well enough, None of that can save us, you guys. It can't transform us. A good message, a good prophet, good program, a good group. Only the blood of Jesus can transform us from the inside out. If it were not for the shedding of innocent blood, there would be no redemption, no adoption, no reconciliation, no restoration, no healing. All of those things come from the blood of Jesus. So as Christians, right, this is our core message. This is it. If we take this out, I'm sorry, you might have a nice program. You might have a nice message. There's no power. The power is in the blood of Jesus. So Revelation 13, 8, we're not going to read it, but the lamb that was slain, it says the lamb that was slain was slain from the foundation of the world, meaning it was always in God's plan. It was always in God's plan. You guys, it wasn't a backup like, oh, it didn't work. I guess I'll, I'll send my son. It was always in the plan from the foundation of the world for Him to come. I don't know if you know this, but everything that God does is strategic. It's calculated. It's thought through. It's predestined. He's never caught off guard. The things that you do and you're like, I, I just messed that up pretty bad. He's not like, oh my gosh. He knows. He is never caught off guard by our sin, by the world, by our stuff, by things that happen. He knows it all. So remember at the beginning when we talked about the blood of Jesus and the Passover, how it's actually a shield and it protects us, right? So it's the same with the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is our shield and it protects us, right? He's with us. And so as things come that blood of Jesus is like, nope, not that one. That one's mine. That one's mine. That one's mine. If it had not been for the blood of Jesus, I would have not been protected and shielded through so many things. If it had not been for the blood of Jesus, you wouldn't be where you are today. If it had not been for the blood of Jesus, fill in the blank. If it had not been for the blood of Jesus, you might not have been healed. You might not have come through. You might be—you might be dead. You might be full of depression. And I'm not saying our life is perfect and we don't have struggles, but it is through the blood that we find freedom and peace and joy. You guys awake out there? Amen. Um, I'm going to ask you to put up our logo. For Impact Rock Church, our logo is the symbol of one drop of blood. And that drop of blood, when it goes down, it bounces up, right? And it, and it kind of forms a crown. And this, this is what we believe, you guys. One drop of blood is enough. The King of Kings shed his blood for us. And he paid the price for all of us, for all of us. It's in that blood that he's also the king. Isn't that crazy? Like he died and that is what made him king because he was able to overcome death and pay the price. So this holy season was all built around and built on the foundation of God's blood covenant. It was a covenant made between, and we don't use that word a lot these days, It is a very important thing, that covenant that is between us and God. He will never, he can't, as God, he cannot break that covenant. Do you realize that? When I promise stuff, my kids used to say when they were little, they're like, don't promise we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. Because sometimes I would be like, we're doing all these things. And then I'd look at our budget or I would run out of time. Or, you know, one of the kids would have a meltdown. I'm like, there's no way I'm taking you anywhere. Right? I would promise things. I promise I'll do that. And I wouldn't do it. I can't remember which one of them, but they were like, can you just not say you promise anymore? God will never break a promise ever. He will never, ever, ever make a promise. He'll never break it. His promises are true. So Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, the persecution, the beating he endured, the death on the cross and his resurrection it's all of holy week that we celebrate. This was all in God's plan to bring covenant to us through Jesus. All right kids, I'm going to need your help on this John 3:16. Do we remember it? Okay. Some of you? All right, John 3:16. We're actually going to read 17 as well. Can you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I love it. Through him, we might be saved. You guys did good. I heard you. Good job, Sammy. So there's two words I want to, I want to focus on for just a quick second. It's redemption and adoption. These are both very important words in the kingdom, redemption and adoption. So he saves us and he adopts us. He calls us by his name. So redemption says, I buy you back. Right? Redemption, if something's over there, it's like, nope, I buy you back. That's redemption. You're mine. I'm gonna claim you once again. Adoption, on the other hand, says, you are mine. So we have, we have people in here, kids that have been adopted. Some of you adults have been adopted. Some of you watching have been adopted. You are taking something and say, not like I buy you back, I never really had you. You are mine. And this is what the scripture says about what God does to us. He says, Tommy, you are mine. You are mine right there. You are mine. Never to be bought by anybody else. Nobody else owns you. Nobody else can claim you. You are absolutely 100% mine. What I love about adoption is they choose you. If you're adopted, it's because somebody chose you. They didn't have to choose you. But when they adopt you, they're like, I choose you. And that's what God says to each one of us. I choose you. When we first come to him and allow his sacrifice and his blood to cleanse us, he chooses us. He makes it for us. John 8.36 says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Byron, would you come on up, please? Thank you. So if you've called upon his name and believe that he died for you, you are saved. It's that easy. I'm going to say that again. If you have called upon his name and believe that he died for you, you are saved. If you want to be saved and you're like, okay, I, I hear what you're saying today and I believe, I believe If you call upon his name and believe that he died for you, you can be saved. It's a heart connection. It's not some program. It's not some clean up your life and come to Jesus. When I was young, I thought that's how, even though I was raised Christian, somehow because I felt like I was filthy or dirty, I felt that if I acted good enough, then I would come. So I would constantly tell God, like, I love you, but when I clean up my life, then I'll come, then I'll come well, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Even as hard as I tried, I couldn't do it. So I would try again. All right, God, after I figure this piece out and after I quit doing this sin, then I'm going to come. I'm going to come, I promise. God doesn't want our empty promises because we can't do that. He just wants a heart. And he wants us just as we are. With our sin and our yuck and maybe everybody else in our lives are like, you're you're not measuring up. You're failing. You'll never. You low stupid blah blah blah. And so you don't come. God doesn't see that. He doesn't see that. You guys, he sees through the eyes of Jesus because Jesus paid the price. And so when Jesus died, you guys, the veil was torn from top to bottom from the heaven down meaning we can't earn our way to god we can't strive our way or perform our way or push our way or pretend our way to god he comes and he says just as you are do you believe that you are his and that he is enough Ephesians 3, 1, um, sorry, Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he has made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he proposed in himself That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. I know that was a lot of words, but did you hear that we've been adopted as sons? Did you hear that we have redemption through Christ? Did you hear the love of the Father in those words? It talked about forgiveness of sins. It talked about adopting us and choosing us. Mark has said this. I, I love this. He always says this. Repentance is a beautiful thing. We don't, it's not that finger in your face. Like, you better say you're sorry. It's the Holy Spirit gently convicts us. And sometimes not so gently. I've had times where the Lord, I feel like he's hit me upside the head with something like, Hello? This is not okay for you. You're better than this. I have more for you than this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you, God. He probably did try to tell me gently and I probably didn't listen. But when we repent, it's making a choice to choose to turn around and go the other way. Nobody's making you do it. God's not going to make you do it. It is an act of surrender. It's an act of obedience. It's an act of love. This last week, the Lord convicted me of a couple things. There had been really hard times. And honestly, in those darkest of days, I thought, this is too big for you, God. I honestly, I believe in you and I love you. But but this, I I don't see how this could ever turn around. Just being honest, God, I don't see it. It's too big. Have you been there? You might be there right now. And it's okay to have those feelings, you guys. It's okay to be real and raw with God. But let me tell you, his conviction came to me this week. And I was like, oh my gosh, God, I'm so sorry. Once again, I put you in this box thinking my circumstance is bigger than you. It sounds so dumb, but you guys, when you're in the moment and everything's falling apart, you really do think sometimes this is too big for God, too big. You guys, it's not. And when we when we remember the goodness of God, and if you have that moment where He convicts you, just humble yourself and say, God, "I'm sorry." Of course, this isn't too big for you. You know, those are the times that I begin to declare who He is. I tell myself, "You are God. You created the heavens and the earth. You are the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You are mighty. You are sovereign. You are powerful." You did this, and you already did that, and you did that, and I remember when. And your word says, and I begin to declare, and I begin to speak, and it builds my faith, and it causes me to remember the goodness of God. The enemy is constantly lying to us, constantly. Constantly, constantly, but even more constant is the faithfulness of our God, the faithfulness of our Father. I love when Jesus died on the crosses. It was completely complete. It was perfectly perfect. I don't know what that's called when you use the same word twice, but it was completely complete and it was perfectly perfect, right? He did it. It was finished. And kids, do you remember where, where is Jesus? Sit? Where is he seated right now? And if you remember after he finished his work, he died on the cross He he was dead for three days. Three days later, he rose. He went up to the Father, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's right. He is seated at the right hand. When you're done with work, what do you do? You sit down. It's done. When you're working on a project in the yard or you're doing something, and you sit down, it's like, feels good, complete. That's where our Jesus is. It's completed. He already did it. Hebrews 10, 12 and 14. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, for by one offering, Jesus, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Perfectly perfect, completely complete. Would you mind standing with me as so close? If you're watching on YouTube, you're worshiping at home on YouTube, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast, on our website, on our Facebook, or you're here in the room physically in Erie today, and you're saying, I don't know Jesus. I have not prayed that prayer. But today I believe. Guys, what I told you today was the truth of the gospel. It's been told for thousands of years. It's not not something special that I'm telling you because of me. It's something special because it's in the word of God. And I can tell you, I prayed this prayer when I was a little girl and I have loved him. And at times I have walked away from him, but he is worthy of your heart. He is worthy of your praise. I would ask you, I would beg you without begging because I can't talk you into something because then somebody else could talk you out of it. Give him a try. Give him a try. What if he is good? What if he is God? What if what I'm saying from scripture is true? What if he does love you? Maybe no one else loves you. What if he loves you? What if he could change your life? I'm telling you, and I I know there's lots of people here who would say, me too, me too, me too. He changed my life. And guess what? He's changing my life every day. I'm being transformed every day. I am still full of sin. I am still a person. I still struggle. I still doubt. But he is good, you guys. You can trust him. Would you mind closing your eyes with me? If you would like to give your life to Jesus this morning, would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again. I believe that you are who you say you are that you are the king. And I surrender my life. I ask you to come in and make me new. Wash me clean. I surrender and give my life. And Lord, for those of us who already know you, God, we do the same. We come once again and say, cleanse us, wash us, purify our hearts. Set our gaze once again upon you. You are so mighty, so majestic, so glorious, so beautiful. God, let us be in awe of you. Let us be passionate for you, God, ignited with fire to share the good news to a broken and hurting world. God, I ask that you would do what you did with me this week. You would convict us of sin. You would convict us of the things where we kind of look like the world and we kind of think like the world. God, we're in the world, but your word says we're not supposed to be of the world because we are yours. We are adopted. We are claimed. We are chosen. God, would you remind us of our inheritance and who we are in you? Lord, I pray for our kids and our teenagers, our young adults. God, that you would guide their way, that you would order their steps, that you would radically transform them. God, I pray that even as soon as tonight as they go to bed, they would remember that they would encounter you, that they would dream about you, that they would draw about you, that they would write about you, that they would rap about you. God, whatever gifts and talents that they have, that it would just ooze out of them. They wouldn't even be thinking about it. But the goodness of God would be upon their hearts and their lips and their minds, God. God, as a lot of them head back to school tomorrow, God, I pray that the, the goodness of God would bubble out of them, that they would, they would see past themselves and see those around them in a world in need, and God, I pray that for us adults as well, that we would not be so um, consumed in our own stuff, that we would forget that we have a neighbor next door, that we have friends at work, we have co-workers, and we have people at the grocery store, and, And family that maybe lives far away that that needs your love that we already have. God, I thank you for sending your son. Jesus, we honor you and thank you for being obedient as we remember how you rode into Jerusalem. And we too say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Save your people, oh God. If you need prayer and you're at home, you can send an email to contact at impactrock.com. We have pastors and people ready to pray for you. Right now, if you'll leave us your email or your phone, we'd be happy to call you. You are just as much a part as the people here in this building, and we consider you family. So give us a call, give us an email, and we'll pray for you. I'm going to leave us with this blessing. Bella, you going to help me? Okay. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.